Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey everyone, exciting show for you today. We are continuing our expert series and it is Wednesday the 13th. And on Wednesdays, we speak with your favorite guest, Anna Kelly. How you doing, Anna? I'm great, Michael. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Seriously, uh, I get the most comments on your videos, the most, the most bring her back. I'm like, you guys are not paying attention. She's back every week. <laughs> so uh, the audience really does enjoy you. Thank you so much. I enjoy being here. It's, it's a blessing to be able to give back and, and to have fun and, and talk real estate and have a little joy in the world. There you go. And today is going to be all about joy. I want it to be all about green shoots. I want, to, I want it to be about you and I looking for deals in our markets for our portfolios. So, yes. um, you know, I think there's some surprising data this morning. Again, it's, it's, it's uh, mortgage apps to purchase. This week, we're up 11%. Now, that's 11% from last week. So you can argue that last week was a bad week. I don't care. It's up 11%, up three yeah. weeks in a row, right? Good. So I, I, see, um, I see right now buyers, interested buyers, investors, owner-occupants, so far dwarfing supply because at least on my market, the West Coast, supply is significantly constrained. We're talking 35, 40% lower uh, than last year if you strip away new construction, right? Because I've been very clear that new construction is kind of making the data muddy because new construction wasn't in my MLS last year at any real level. And now it's like every, you know, four out of five listings, a new house. So very different. Absolutely. The same here, Michael. I, I've been, you know, out there looking for the last couple of weeks really to see what's on the market. And I'd say probably 60 to 70% of the listings are new construction listings repeated over and over and over again for every different floor plan that they have. Yeah. And that, and again, just to be clear, that wasn't a, the case a year ago. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's just a sign of the times we're in folks, because again, at least in my area, I don't want to speak for all 50 states or all countries around the world, but developers can't hold those open houses, right? With the big, pla- the big flags and all the balloons, come see me, come see me. So they have to, they, yeah. I got to do something. So they throw it in the MLS. Yeah. And the other thing in Pennsylvania, we still, I think we're the only state in the country that a realtor cannot list a house. They cannot have an open house. They can't let anybody in. So Pennsylvania realtors are completely shut out until June 4th at this point. So there's very little listed because people can't let people come see their property. A realtor is not allowed to step foot in, in a house right now. So I just want to be clear with what I heard. So they can't list or they can't do the activities that generally make a good listing. I think they can't do any of the activities right. and so people are still not listing because every yeah. listing when you pull it up says due to COVID, we cannot show this property. You can't yeah. come in, you can't see it. So yeah. a lot of people have just pulled their listings until yeah. afterwards because otherwise it looks bad that it's days on market or longer. Yep. Yeah. And so you know, they can't even let somebody go into a vacant house right now. Yeah. And I wanted to ask that clarification because what I think that, and again, I think that's the right answer, right? You don't want to get an artificial 30 days because when it passes at least historically three weeks, at least in my market, it's aged and there's a problem just assumed, right? Right. Um, right. But it, there probably are new listings because in every market there's must sells, right? I, in my market, in the, the market that I've seen in, in, in Fresno, um, 
I mean, it's nothing. There's no inventory. There's like seven listings at price points I typically look at last this last weekend. And usually right. they're 35 or 40. Um, and yeah, three of the one or two at a time pop up yeah, in and, the last few days. That's and the it. three of the seven were fire damaged, right? Those are just got to sell, right? You got an insurance check. Yep. You want to sell the lot. So it's just, yes. it's very constrained supply. Mm-hmm. Um, but that means that, I, again, it, I want to feel good. I want to feel happy, right? This last 10 weeks have sucked staying home. Um, <laughs> but I, I, do think, I do think the buyers are out there, even with 20% unemployment or 14.7 or 25 or whatever you think is happening. Uh, I think there's a lot of people looking that will be ready to buy housing. Are, are you seeing the same thing in Pennsylvania? Yes, I, I absolutely am. Yeah. And I, I have talked to some lenders here who have started to see an uptick, you know, in applications um, and some people that are, they're going under contract without even getting inside of the property. Uh, so what I'm seeing a lot more of here of the listings is there's a lot more virtual tours mm-hmm. where they've actually gone in and done video walkthroughs and then zoomed in on the kitchen and zoomed in on the things that you want to see yes. as well as, you know, really nice pictures. And so there are things that are going uh, contingent without anybody having even, even been in because people still want to move and they want to move before school starts. Yeah. You know, hopefully next fall. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's, I think that's the right thing. So again, I think, um, I think we're going to, this is, this is the question I had going into this. So this is Mike Zuber four weeks ago. I'm like, okay, whenever this thing loosens up, what's going to happen first? Are buyers going to swarm in or are sellers going to go? I want out. And I wasn't sure. I yeah. didn't know. Right. Because part of me thought, okay, spring selling season, you want to get out, you lost your job, you want to list. And then obviously forbearance came in and all this other stuff to muddy all of that up. So I think the answer is going to be is the demand is going to dwarf sellers. At least that's how it feels today. Are you seeing the kind of the same thing? I am right now. You know, like you said, it's kind of hard to see what's going to happen, especially in PA because we are so constrained. So you just don't know how much of it's because of the fact that Pennsylvania can't sell a house right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll also say in, in my particular market, we have not been significantly impacted. Thankfully, most businesses, mm-hmm. um, in, in I'm sorry, most businesses are still keeping their, their people on payroll, mm-hmm. at least through the PPP and things like that. Mm-hmm. There are some that, you know, are completely shut down, but we haven't had as big of an impact of the people that are unemployed and the businesses closed in my market. Right. So I think people are still going to be ready, you know, to buy and sell as soon as, you know, Pennsylvania lifts this, um, this stay yeah. on, on being able to list. So it's hard for me to, to gauge it in my market, but I am looking at properties in other markets like in Texas and Florida, cause I'm okay. looking at Airbnbs as well. Ah. And there's a lot um, suddenly being supplied and a lot that you see contingent. So mm. I think those markets that have opened back up real estate you are starting to see a lot more movement um, and especially in second homes and beach rentals because they're the first thing that people I think are going to dump if they need some cash. Oh, that is so for sure. And that, and I put out a video yesterday on Las Vegas that got some freaking hate from Vegas Mm -hmm. real estate agents and brokers. They did not like what I had to say, but I thought it was fairly nice. And I, but anyways, they didn't like it because basically I was, but I can't wait. Yeah, it was ni- it's 19 minutes of me look, basically saying, hey, I, I invested side by side with Vegas last time because California and Vegas were the same, right? In 08, they went down fast and hard together. And, right. And today I don't see that. So I am watching Vegas for signs of what might happen in California. Man, freaking Vegas people freaking ate my lunch. Um, you know, Vegas is always very, um, 
very sensitive to these types of, of ups and downs. I mean, yeah. they, they, they go high fast and they crash low fast. Yeah, which is, again, something I'm very fond of. And the only reason I'm financially free is I like that. Because if you're, if you, you know when to buy and when to sell. Exactly. As long as you're diligent and you don't follow the herd and you have your metrics and you're, you're unemotional, you, you, da- you can dance through the raindrops. I've done it four or five times now. Um, yes. So I enjoy it. But, um, you know, if you follow the herd, you're going to get crushed. So yeah, go ahead and listen True. to it. Let me know if I went too far because I don't think I did. But... You never go too far. I know, but man. Haters going to hate. Haters going to hate. Thank you very much. <laughs> but anyways, I think watching Vegas for both of us will be interesting because I think in this setup, they're like going to be the microcosm of that first reasonably sized real estate market that falls. So what we're going to see is, okay, when this is 20, 25, 30% into price drops, what's happening to the population? What's happening to the job market? Is it, is it back to 70% of what it was or 80? Because again, I think Vegas will be smaller and probably stronger, but it'll, it has to claw, crawl through glass to get there it'll be smaller. I don't know. It's just going to be something we have to watch. So uh, I am looking at it every month for sure. Um, But back to what you're seeing, I I'm, I don't know about you, but I've actually written about 40 offers uh, in the last week. I actually got one under contract. We opened contract on Monday. So yeah. Are you being active out there? I'm not being as active as you are in putting offers out there yet. Um, but I love it. You know, I, I did put an offer on one property. It's a foreclosure. So, you know, it's probably going to go to highest and best and I got to wait, but know how to play the game. And so I had, I had, you know, put one offer out there, but I've been looking, um, I'm still kind of been in this, you know, mostly asset preservation, managing my apartment stuff because of everything going on right now has a a bigger impact in that space. Um, but I'm looking leisurely every day at new listings that are on the market to see what's happening and to see if there's any, anything I'm interested in biting on. And so far, again, part of it because of Pennsylvania, I've only, I've only seen the one. Um, but, but I'm really um, close to probably making an offer on, on a beach house, another beach rental in the South. I just have to find you know, the right price point and the right motivated seller. So yeah. like you, I'm not going to pay retail for something. And I yeah. think that there's this going to be this delay and this denial in sellers thinking that things are going to go right back to what it was and <laughs> going to, be willing to pay the same thing. Yeah. And I think that you're going to see as soon as, as real estate can open back up in those areas that it hasn't, I think you're going to initially see some aggressive pricing, hoping that they can, you know, still get top dollar for their properties. Mm-hmm. And I think there's going to be this reality that you might not be able to, um, other than retail buyers, you know, investors are going to sit tight a little bit longer unless there's a really great deal. Um, but, but I'm, I'm ready when it happens. I just think that in my market, it's probably two or three months out before I'm going to really see some motivation um, mm-hmm. and some things that I can get at the price point that I want to. Yeah. Uh, so of the 40 offers I made, and we'll talk about the deal I locked up, I would say 35% of, or 35 of the 40 were probably 30 to 40% below asking, right? Because I'm trying to, we're in that yes. little window, right? Sellers remember yes. yesterday, buyers want tomorrow. I'm just trying to establish, hey, I'm interested, but at this number, right? Fully Smart. expecting not to get anything for until but the summer. But you got summer. one. One I out did. of 40, it's not bad yeah. at this time of market. Yeah, so this, this, this is an interesting deal. So this, this deal went into escrow before the shutdown, March 24th, because they sent me the contract. Uh, at 240. It's, so let's set it up. So it's three houses. The main house is actually quite nice. It's three bedroom, one bath, 1,450 square feet, uh, already kind of 
rental grade upgrade, meaning tile countertop painted, you know, nothing I would live in, but done. Right. I might have a $2,000 cleaning, like repainting thing. So not much. And then it has two little houses, two 600 square foot houses, because it's a huge, like 20,000 square foot lot. And most importantly, at least for me in California, they're individually metered for gas and water. Right. right. You know, so it's, it's done. And they all have their own private or their own driveway. Right. So it looks like three continue, like three houses on skinny lots, but right. it's actually three houses on one big lot. Gotcha. So the, the, the big one is empty. It'll get 1250 to 1350 rent. The other two are rented uh, below market. They're getting 500. They should be getting 750. Um, so these, these, this property, this one APN went into contract at 240. Uh, the, the ARV is really more like 300 if they were fixed up. This is a, this is a landlord who's had enough with California. He's like, right. I'm out, right? I'm gone. Yeah. He's, he's owned them since the 70s. So he's, he owns them free and clear. He's like, I'm done. So the, the buyer um, backed out uh, because of this environment because it was a new, new investor because they didn't know what they would do with evictions. They'd have to get the people out right. and they got scared. Right. So this, so this seller knew of my reputation in Fresno and he called me. Wow. He called, well, technically he emailed That's me. That's the power of staying in for the long haul and exactly. being a market expert is people come to you. Yeah. He reached out to me and he goes, Hey, are you interested in buying any more stuff? I'm like, I'm always interested. I actually asked him, are you a wholesaler? Right. Cause I'm like, cause I get all these cold emails all the time. Right. Right. He goes, no, no, I'm an, I'm an owner. Um, I, I know who you are. We, you know, we've, we've crossed paths somewhere in the last 20 years and uh, I, I want out. I want to sell this property. I'm like, well, okay, tell me what you got. Blah, 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 blah. So we go back. Everything's done via email because he doesn't speak good English. Um, he's of Asian descent. Uh, we've mm -hmm. talked once and it was tough, but we got through it. Uh, so everything was an email. And um, we go through like three days. He sends me pictures and videos and walkthroughs and does all that stuff. Because again, I'm stuck at home too, right? I'm not going to Fresno. And he goes, okay, what do you want to pay? And at this point, I don't know what the other contract is. I'm like, I'll pay 150, right? 50K a house. It's a slam dunk. I can hold it forever. No big deal. Yeah. He comes back going, oh my God, I can't do it. Would you take 175? So I go, ah, you know, I might do 170, 165, 170. We figure out, you know, back and forth, 175 is the number. So I agree. So I get three houses for less than 60K a door in a market where these conditions are a hundred K a door. This is a 300 K property all day long. That's awesome. And it'll probably be 320 to 330 when I put in my kinds of upgrades. Um, yeah. But again, That's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. One, 175 and you know, buy me a single family house here at retail. Yeah. And again, yeah. these are, and again, I, I it's less than 1%, right? Cause it'll be, when I get these fixed up, it'll be, let's call it easy math. 1300 plus 800 plus 800. What's that? 2,900 bucks and individually yeah. metered gas and water. So I don't have that headache. So That's yeah, amazing. I'll take those deals. And again, right. it's all because of the network and right. stay, staying engaged. So right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm pretty excited. That's very, that's very cool. Yeah. 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 So again, more deals like this will come, right? Frustrated landlords who want out, um, right? Because I think cleaning expenses and tenant management will become harder. I think owner occupants or actually secondary homes, like you're talking about the beach community. I think there would just be people that throw up their hands and I, yeah. I want to be there uh, yeah. when that happens. Same thing. And with beach rentals, you know, for me, my hardest hit is going to be my beach rentals. I have two of them and they're in the Northeast. 
they just opened last weekend, but renters can't start coming till May 22nd. So, you know, but, but at least they can go out to the beach now. So I did see a drop, a bunch of people canceled, but now all of a sudden starting yesterday, I started seeing bookings. So it's like, okay, the beach is coming. People want to get back to the beach, but there's already quite a few who've already listed because they can't, um, they can't cover their expenses if they have a bad summer because they rely on all of it as second Mm -hmm. homes where someone like myself, I may lose money on it, but I've got enough cash coming in for my other ones that it's kind of a wash. So I don't have to go, Oh, I'm going to sell my property. But the, you know, unfortunately there are many who, who can't cover them and you know, they, they have to sell because it's really their only source of cash and they don't have the the money to cover the expenses. So I'd love to, you know, work out win-win situations where you help them out, you alleviate their fears, but you, you still understand the fundamentally, the fundamental strength of having rental properties on the beach. Same with, fundamental strength of having rental housing in, in Fresno, California. People mm-hmm. still need a place to live. And once this blows over and it will, mm-hmm. um, you know, things will in, in terms of, you know, beach rentals, I think it's interesting, Michael, because even though values take a hit in a recession on beach rentals, mm-hmm. rental income actually goes up mm-hmm. because people will not get on a plane and take an expensive trip, but they exactly. will drive a few hours to go to the beach. And yeah. so, you know, you, you have to think of those fundamental strengths of why am I in real estate? Why do I want to buy a three unit? Why do I want to buy a little beach house? What? Because people always need a home to live. And when yeah. this thing passes, it will still be that people need a home to live. And so it's just, it's exciting, you know, to be in real estate right now, even with all yeah. of our challenges, because the fundamental strength is still there. And if we get through this and we will, Mm-hmm. it's going to be a great time to, to buy some more property. Yeah. I think, I think oh, I, the more and more originally when I was thinking about this event, I was like, Oh my God, I wouldn't want to have an Airbnb on a beach, right. Or in a community. But now that I've kind of cycled through this, um, I think it's a great time to buy because you're going to be able to buy at a discount. Um, you're going to have less competition, right? That's what always scared me. Right. What I had right. heard from Airbnbs on the beach is everybody was doing it. Everybody was overpaying. They liked the daily rates and blah, blah, blah there's just going to be less people doing yeah, that. And people I- do. And, and to be honest with you, in certain markets, it's hard to really make money on beach rentals. You really, like for our second home, it was just a way to cover our expenses and have a free vacation and get to go to the beach, you know, yeah. all nine months of the year for free. So, you know, we bought it really for that play. Let's cover our vacations, you know, buy the assets, have the, the income pay for the liability. Bingo. The second one we bought, we bought at such a big discount through an auction that we're actually cash flowing, but it's hard to get those properties. Yeah. And so in the Northeast, it's, it's tougher and people do overpay. And I think most of them are buying it because they want a second home and they want their expenses to cover. Yeah. That's why most people buy at the beach. But in the South where you have long rental seasons and you can pay half the same price as you do for a property in the Northeast. Yeah. You, you can profit pretty well. So yes, some people are overpaying, um, but the fundamental strength of people in the South where it's hot, want to go to the water, they're going to keep printing those properties and they're going to keep paying the same amount to do it. Yeah. So I'm, I really like Southern beach houses right now on the water. So let's talk about Southern beach houses on the water. Cause I know zero about the market. So these questions will probably be basic. Um, what were the price points kind of at the peak? whether it was last summer or in December or January, just, you know, r- roughly we, are these 300, are they 500, are they 800? What are they? So what's real interesting, just, just to give you a comparison, cause I've been really focused on Galveston, Texas, but okay. I'm, I'm a very patient buyer. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay retail. Yeah. Um, so 
Galveston, Texas, I grew up in Houston. We used okay. to drive 35, 40 minutes to the beach and we'd go back and forth every day. We didn't huh. know anything about paying for a beach house because why? You can drive back and forth every day, you know, but we had some friends that had beach houses there. So I was really surprised when I looked at the 2017 publication for short-term rentals put out by rented.com. In okay. 2018, they put out a publication that said, these are the places that are the most profitable short-term rentals in the entire country. Mm. And in the entire country, Galveston, Texas, this little bitty no-name beach on the Gulf, was the number three most profitable place to own an Airbnb short-term rental. Wow. I couldn't believe it. It beat out Colorado. It beat out you know Vegas. It beat out Orlando. So the number three most profitable place to own an Airbnb. And I thought, why is that when it's mm. such a small little beach town? I didn't think many people outside of Houston went to. And it's because, for example, I wanted a two-bedroom condo on the sand in Ocean City, Maryland. To buy a decent two-bedroom condo, 1,200 square feet, with an ocean view on the sand in Ocean City, Maryland, you're going to pay four four twenty-five. Okay. The same beachfront facing two-bedroom condo in Galveston, Texas, 200 to do 25. Wow. So you can buy for half the value, half the price to get in. But instead of the 12-week rental season that I have in Ocean City, Maryland, because it's too cold for people to come in mass and pay high dollar, you know, anything other than June through August, <laughs> we have some shoulder weeks, which are like May and September. But in Texas, I grew up there. We're in the beach, in the bikinis, you know, March 1st, spring break. Wow. It's really in the 80s. And so you have people that are going to the beach from March through the end of October, and it's still hot. And so yeah. you have a tremendously longer rental season to bring in more rental income and you're paying half the price that you would pay for the same beach house in the Northeast. Wow. So I look at the rented.com publication every year to say, where are the most profitable? And the reason that that's such a good publication is because it's not necessarily what's the price point mm. but, or what's the rent. It's what's the profitability. If you pay the average price point and you right. get the average rent, how much money are you going to make in profit? Mm -hmm. And that's really a, um, uh, an indication of, of how long the rental season is. You know, for something like Colorado, it may not be the summer that everybody's coming. It may be the winter when they can go oh, snow, yeah. snow ski, you know, the snow or snow tube or whatever. So you want to look at what's the most profitable places because it, it takes into, effect all, into account all of the different factors such as purchase price, rental season, demand, et cetera. So um, that's about where you are in Galveston. I'm looking at some really nice beach houses right now that are on the market for three and four hundred thousand dollars that are full big beach houses facing the water wow. when I can't get a two bedroom condo on the sand for that here in Ocean City, Maryland. Wow. Oh, I like I like that. That's gonna be fun to watch this. I'm gonna look forward to the pictures. Um so so you, I love the fact you're a patient buyer, patient investor. So let's just take a four hundred K house that's listed today. What does the, what what do you think? What does that mean? Are you are you looking three fifty or where, where does it kind of really make sense for you? Where's where is it that home run? Because you don't need to say yes to everything. You just need one. Right, right. For me, you know, there's there's two different things that I look at. One mm -hmm. is it's far enough away that I've got to be able to be to know that there's really good property management there and that there's going to be strong demand in that particular location. Okay. And if I think that there's really good property management there, strong demand in that particular location, because even Galveston, it's this long aisle and then you can take a ferry over to some of the small, small little islands. Um, 
where you are makes a big difference in mm. terms of how full you're going to keep it. So I want to buy at a price point that if I can't rent it out all summer at short terminal rates, I can put someone in there that wants to live at the beach year round uh. and break even, at least break even, really break even plus a couple hundred bucks a month, um, even with a long-term rental. So I don't look at short-term rentals now as I know I can bank on looking at the last two years of rental profits and say that I'm going to continue to get that because yeah. some things are fundamentally going to change in the market. Yeah. So I'm only going to buy if I can say somebody would be willing to buy this as their second home and never have a renter in there and, or rent it from me for, you know, $1,500 a month instead of me getting three or $4,000, right. you know, a week. Um, so that's when I say I'm a patient buyer, I'm not going to pay the rates as if it's a short-term rental. I want to buy it as if I turn around and sell it to an owner occupant, I can still make a little bit of money yeah. um, and I can cover the expenses. I hope people, if you didn't catch that folks, what she did there, you need to rewind and listen to that again. And I just love the fact that you plan for the plan B, right? The worst case scenario, right. which is the right. monthly rental, right? Um, right. Yeah. And if you can, if it can be profitable, you yeah, you have to. Yeah. And if it's one, again, that you want to buy as a second home for your family, then, then it's a little different. You can pay a little more. But even my second home, the first beach house rental I bought was when it was built in 2007, the owner paid $790,000 for it. Height of the economy, 2007. Okay. This is in a, a nice resort community, private pools, private beaches, indoor, outdoor pool, gym, little shop, a little ice cream shop and a restaurant. So I mean, lots, it's a resort. Okay. Um, when I bought it, I told my realtor, I, I went down three different times and spent full days with my realtors learning Ocean City, Maryland, the differences between purchase price and rental prices, depending on the building and the amenities and what floor it's on and how much of an unobstructed view it had. All those things make a big difference in, in the market. So you've got to learn those things. And I said, okay, as a real estate investor, I don't want to pay any more than 90% of what it's worth today. Mm. And mm. it has to be furnished um, and have a proven rental history. Wow. At 90%, even the average foreclosure in Ocean City, Maryland sells for 95 to 97% of retail. Wow. So it's hard to buy anything below 90%. I know I can break even if I take two weeks of summer, that in 10 weeks, it breaks even. And it took about nine months for my realtor to find me the right property. He was going into foreclosure. He was a foreign owner, hadn't been there forever. And I bought for $490, $493, something that he paid $794 for nine years earlier. So to me, that was a great deal. Because I said, even if it doesn't go up to $790, I knew they were selling for $580 at that point. So I paid $493 for something worth Five, I think 583 or 585, something like that. Wow. And I wouldn't have paid that much except that I wanted that house for our family because it was a big five bedroom. And I knew that we would enjoy that beach house with my grandkids one day. So, you know, it depends on what you want it for. If you want it for yourself and it's a luxury item, you need to be really patient and wait till you can get a really good deal on it. Yep. And at least it yep. pay for itself. The second one, I wasn't, I paid at an auction a little over 300,000 for a house worth 500,000. Mm. And I make money on it every, every season. So, and I have, I rent it in the summer and then I rent, I try to find a short-term renter that's like six to nine months from the winter to spring contractors that come to the beach to work for hospitals and things like that. Mm. So I'm very profitable mm. by doing it that way. 
That's awesome. So I'm curious when you're looking out in Galveston, we'll just use that as an example. Um, you know, you're learning the market, figuring it out, which is awesome. It's all I talk about. Learn your market, learn your market, learn your market. Um, are you looking, are you thinking you'll make an acquisition between now and August now in December? Do you, do you kind of, do you think that way? I do. So I'll make an acquisition when the price is right. I will <laughs> I've been looking loosely, not like aggressively, like this is my target. I am going to buy one in the next three months. Okay. I would have bought something that I shouldn't have bought, yeah. but I look at, I know what they're worth. I'd like to have one there. And partly selfishly, because my family, I still have family in Houston. Mm -hmm. So I know when I go to Texas, we could stay at our beach house instead of trying to shack up with our family, with a family of six coming to visit for a couple mm. of days. We can stay at the beach, drive into Houston, go back to the beach, have fun. So go. I look at something that has to be big enough for my family because I want the benefits yeah. of, of personal use from time to time once every year or two. Um, and I've got to get a really, really good deal. So I've really been looking about once a week for a year, Michael, and oh, I haven't wow. bought anything yet. Okay. So yes, I want one, but I'm not going to buy one unless I know I can get a really good deal that I'm yeah. going to be happy with for the long term. So what I suspect is happening, I'm seeing more and more get listed. We can't go. get gauge motivation. Yeah. Um, and I haven't just started sending out lowball offers yet. My mindset was let me get through April and May um, with all my own stuff and see how much cash I'm willing to let go to buy something. But I'd like to buy something and I'm going to take a, a, a trip south with my family and we'll probably go see some this summer. Okay. I'd like to buy them in the summer when you still have some of that rental income. Mm. If you wait till the fall to buy, you usually get a much bigger, de better deal because you got to wait till the next spring or summer to start getting rental income. No. So people don't want to give you a good deal before the summer when they still have all that summer rental income they'd be giving up if they sell it. Yeah. So you tend to get better deals by buying off season. Yeah. Do you know, I, and you, if you, I don't know, so you may not know, um, when people were buy these Airbnbs in Galveston, they were probably bought as investment homes, right? Or do you think they'd kind of cheated and bought as owner occupied and then switched it to Airbnb? And I ask this because I'm trying to figure out how forbearance will play in Galveston. Sure. So most second homes are bought really, most vacation rentals on the beach are really bought as second homes. Okay. Um, and you're allowed by the tax code to stay in a second home like 14 days a year and then, you know, consider it a rental if you rent it out more, you know, more than what you stay in it. There's mm -hmm. some complicated rules there. But the beauty of being able to buy it as a second home is you don't tell the lender, hey, I'm never going to rent this out or, Hey, I am going to rent it out. But what they do is that, so for example, when I bought my second home, I was able to get in with 10% down instead of 20% down because mm. it was a second home rather than an investment property. But here's the key in order to do that, you have to be able to qualify for the mortgage, even if you never rented it out. So they're like, we're fine. If you keep this and you rent it out, you can rent it out all you want. Mm. But if your debt to income ratio isn't what it needs to be as if you never rented it out, then you won't qualify for it as a second home. So mm. a lot of people, that they might be able to afford a second home. They just can't qualify for the mortgage, you know, to do it that way. Mm -hmm. So they just buy it as an investment property, put the 20% down and then, you know, Airbnb it that way. I don't know what the percentage is of those that just bought them that way. Um, I, I know that usually owner occupant second homes, um, there's a larger percentage of those in, in most beach markets. Yeah. And the reason I ask that is because again, this forbearance thing is going to, in my opinion, kind of stretch out the pain 
um, yes. because not everybody's going to be able to survive. But again, let's just think about if you're gonna, if you're running an Airbnb and your maximum income's the summer and you've got six or nine months of forbearance, go into forbearance, take all that rental income you can, put it in the bank, and then let it go. Um, yes, and that's why I don't think you're going. Even though you are seeing some really motivated people start to you know hit the market right now. I think it's going to be before next summer that you really start seeing a big flood of them. Exactly. Yeah. Cause you can, you can call up and they're talking about 12 months in the CARES Act, right? So you can call up, get a year of income theoretically, if that's, if you're willing to do that and then you just let it go. Yeah. And, and unfortunately some people will do that and you know, well, it just depends on strategic where defaults are. were a the huge deal in 08. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I can tell you, I mean, for, for a moment, I thought, oh, wow, if I don't collect this $50,000 this summer that I planned on it, I'm going to have a $50,000 summer vacation where I'm going to spend the summer at my beach house. So I'd love to be able to have, you know, my almost $3,000 a month payment put on hold. Yeah. But when I really started to think about what impact could that have on your credit and Oof. your ability to borrow in the future, I said, there's no way. Oh, wow. I can cover the $3,000 a month, you know, mortgage and the taxes and all that. I don't want to, but I can. So, right. you know, I think you've got a lot of investors like me that aren't going to go into forbearance. They're just going to take the hit. But those people are going to be much more motivated to get rid of them faster. Yeah. Because in some ways, if you took a forbearance and you can get it tacked on at the end and still get rental income, you've made your money. So why not keep holding it? Especially if you're in the South where you think people are going to keep coming to the beach next year. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, this, again, this did not, I mean, people, this is not 08 all over again. Stop thinking this crash is going to be like 08. It's not. Um, This forbearance thing is going to have unintended consequences and we just don't know because you're right. As for 12 months, there's all this squawking about, no, don't hit me with 13 months of payments on month 13, tack it on the end. Or now they're talking about creating a second at 0% that only becomes yeah. due after the first is paid. I mean, just all of these. Yeah. Yeah. It might be, Hey, go, go into forbearance, get a year of income and then just start anew. That could be, right. but you're right. The downside, I think, I think what investors that take forbearance and I know some investors in my network that could pay that decided to go forbearance on everything. Yeah, and I'm I like, I mean like that's, I mean, first off, all of us like to squawk about renters who don't want to pay because of this or that. So as, a, as somebody who owns a mortgage, for you to do that, that's talking out of both sides of your mouth. That's not okay. Absolutely. And, but second, I, don't, I think those investors are going to be held out of the buying market for years to come. I just think there's unintended right. consequences. Right. Because even though the credit report isn't supposed to be hit in terms of your score, <laughs> when I pull somebody's credit report, because I pull them all the time for tenants, you yeah. know, I, see at least three years of paid, paid, not paid, 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 not yeah. paid. And the, the lenders can write, you know, they're going to see no check bar for nothing paid for all these mortgages during COVID. Yeah. And then they're going to see a note that says, you know, buyer and forbearance related to COVID-19. So it's exactly. still going to be on your credit report. It may not affect your, your score. Oh, but it if will. you go to borrow it, it, another it, rental property, yeah. it, they say it's not supposed to. Oh, so who knows? But I don't trust if, a bank as far as I could throw them. No. So, but even if it didn't impact your score, you know, for now, because of this national crisis, it's still there. And so when you want to go borrow for another rental property, for anything, the lender's going to go, whoa, this buyer was not well prepared for this crisis. They stopped paying because they could. They're going to look at two things. Then then what? They're going to say, did they not have enough liquid to survive it? 
or did they just take advantage because they could? So they're going to look at your assets. They're going to look at your balance sheet. They're going to look at all this cash and go, why did you go into forbearance when you had, you know, $500,000 cash sitting there? So it's going to tell them this is the kind of lend the borrower exactly. we don't want to lend to because the next time they're going to, they're going to stiff us. So I would much rather take a few thousand dollar a month hit, keep mm -hmm. paying when I can yep. and keep my credit worthiness so that when my lenders go back and look, we talked about this a little bit with my local bank. They offered me to, to go to interest only or forbearance. And I said, no, I don't need it, but thank you. And if it gets really bad, I'll come back and do that. But otherwise, I'm going to stay in good standing and I'm going to honor my mortgage payment. And I know that the next time I need a mortgage, they're going to lend to me like that, just like they always have, because they've seen that I honored my commitments and didn't take advantage of the situation. Yeah. This is going to be so much fun. So keep me updated on Galveston. I'm going to love to send me some pictures too. You can send that to me offline. I'd love to see what a beach house in Galveston is and just live vicariously through you. <laughs> oh yeah. I know. I, I can't wait to find one. It just got to be the right deal. I'm looking at Florida too. Southern Florida. So Southern Florida has a nice long rental season where some of the nice little towns that you think of a little further North, they're just too cold for people to come all the time. So huh. Texas or Florida in the next, in the next few months, I, I see myself having one. Very, very cool. Well, I'd I like think, to see your oh. triplex. Oh, I will. I will do a whole video on it. Once, once I own it, you know, I don't want to jinx it yet. Once it's closed, I'll Absolutely. do a whole video on it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Yeah, but I think the takeaway is keep buying, keep looking. There's always deals and there's money to be made in every single market in real estate. Um, you know, there's no time to sit out and no time to, 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 you know, everybody play. There's money to be made in every cycle. You just got to find the right deal and, and find something that fits within your investment goals. Yep. Learn your market. Take yeah. advantage of this cycle. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Anna. This has always been fun. Thank you very much. Thanks, Michael. Have a good day. Thank you.